We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How to think about the running back position entering week 10 of the NFL season and how to position your fantasy football roster for the playoff chase. That is what we're talking about today on Road of His Overtime. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ardent. My co-host as always is Sean Siegel. Check out all of his work up on rotaviz.com. And if you're signing up over at rotaviz.com, you can use the code RVRADIO2023 at checkout to give yourself a 10% discount. The information we'll be talking about at the start of today's show when we talk through these running backs will be from the Zero RB Universe, the Week 10 edition from Sean Siegel up on rotaviz.com. The link to that will be in today's show notes. Sean, you titled this one, This is the Week to be Aggressive with Your Roster Moves. We're going to talk about some of the stars of the position and some players who are starting to position themselves as stars. So people who may have been future stars at the start of the season, are they pushing their way towards the end of the season to be a star as we move forward into the fantasy football playoff so we joked a few times sean over the last couple of months about what happened not last season in particular but two seasons ago when devin singletary rashad penny they really came to life down this this final stretch they had done nothing at that point so far this season rashad penny's done nothing i I don't i'm not holding out the same hope this year sean that he flashes into life in that same way but there will be names that we're looking at now that have been potentially on the waiver wire over the last couple of weeks but potentially have just been quieter than people may have hoped may have expected but are coming along and are about to hit big at this point of the season so if your roster is positioned the names in the zero rb universe are ones that you want to make sure you're watching out for and trying to get on your roster sean week 10 we're ready for it we got through week nine i joked before we started we had a lot of players obviously that we had on buys on week nine but yeah, I, I set some lineups today and I, I realized that I have a few teams that are heavily involved with the Chiefs and the Eagles. There's a Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes team that thankfully has Sam Howell, but we'll be relying a lot on Sam Howell in week 10. But fun times ahead. How are you as we get ready for the 10th week of the season? Yeah, you got Chiefs, Eagles, Dolphins on the bye this week. But generally speaking, not nearly as much of a problem and Colin one of the things I think is kind of interesting here especially if you believe there's any chance we sort of joked about it on both OT and Zealand Bananas 
any chance that Aaron Rodgers does come back and lead the Jets to more dynamic offense down the stretch. One of the things that I think is so crucial is if you've been able to get some of these teams with a Brees Hall, with a Garrett Wilson into position, and you've been able to outperform with the rest of your roster so that they're still going to be in the playoffs with you. I think that part is interesting. But maybe the biggest player that fits that category would be a Jonathan Taylor. You have all of the controversy with him early in the season. And then even as recently as week eight, you have Zach Moss so involved. It was a uh, heavily criticized move for Jonathan Taylor not to be involved in the second half of their week eight game. But he comes back in week nine and has a huge advantage here over Zach Moss and snaps and routes, all that type of thing. But a 45-13 advantage there in snaps leads 18 to 7 in carries, 5 to 0 in targets. One of the things that was, I think, frustrating here, if you had Jonathan Taylor going and you lost in a relatively close game, and Blair Andrews and I are in a very similar situation, both overall and in terms of what happened to us in week nine as the team that you and I have, column. But that team has Jonathan Taylor. And so I desperately want to get that roster into the race for a million dollars because it's so well positioned if he can emerge as, I mean, potentially the RB1 or if not the RB1 behind Christian McCaffrey. We talked about <laughs> the historic nature of McCaffrey's season again this year. Then, you know, certainly with Travis Etienne and a couple of those guys, the competition to be the overall RB2. This was a weird one because the Panthers came into this game bottom five in missed tackle percentage, dead last in boom percentage allowed. And you're thinking if there's ever a situation where Jonathan Taylor is going to break off, you know, multiple 60 yard runs as he is wont to do, that this one sets up so perfectly. And yet he did not look good as a runner in this game. And yet I still think you've got to be just ecstatic about the usage because for him to be the receiving back, to get those five targets and to score that receiving touchdown, which was a 10 yard play where he makes a guy miss at the eight and then does his twirling, spinning, reaching touchdown. I mean, that's the kind of play that, I mean, it's tempting to go with a different guy as the receiving back when you want to get Jonathan Taylor just so heavily involved as a pure runner. But similar to what we've witnessed from Brees Hall, where you know if you're having some trouble running the ball or just you have a player who is that capable of the big play, you want to get them the ball in space too. Don't make them run through the offensive line every single time. To see that involvement, I thought, was incredibly promising. And Column, this is a team that runs a lot of plays. Anybody who is not reading Matt Irby's pace article every week, remedy that. Don't miss out. If you pull up the NFL pace tool here, you see a variety of interesting things. Number one is that the Colts rank second overall in seconds to snap. And so you have a certain amount of floor each week in terms of the total plays that they're running. They rank in the top 10 in total plays. A little bit of that has to do with having played the extra game, but they are also one of the top teams in terms of plays per 60 minutes, and they rank just outside of the top 10 in rush plays per 60 minutes. You think about how that's going to evolve as we go forward. 
the fact that you have the passing QB in there now, as opposed to Anthony Richardson, the rushing QB, some of Richardson's value obviously going to be on the ground. You're going to have the clock not stopping on those particular plays. By contrast, Gardner Minshew throwing some of those incompletions and obviously throwing to the running back. The offensive context now for Jonathan Taylor is extremely strong. You marry that to his native talent, this extreme ability to create the big play. And Jonathan Taylor, I think, is now positioned to be one of a handful of backs or really players overall at any fantasy position who are the most impactful, the highest leverage guys the entire rest of the season. The other part with Taylor here is getting a kind of pretty plumb matchup against the Patriots this week, who have given up at least 22 points over the last for the last five games, two running backs and given up 5.6 running back receptions per game on average. And one of the things we talked about for a number of years, Sean, when Taylor may have been running better than he is now at the moment, was that the way they were using them they weren't using them enough in the passing game so to be able to get those receptions added in i think is a huge bonus with how they used him this week and obviously week to week this could change but it feels like they had eased him back in with the split with zach moss and moss was playing well in fairness to him but it looks like now we are going to move into continued ramping up of the workload here for taylor and i would expect this to be more of the commonplace here as we move forward this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We are approaching the end of 2023. The holiday season is almost here. I, for one, am very excited about the holiday season, but it can also come with some challenges, some seasonal blues. This time of year can be a lot, and it can be natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it, but adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot among the stress and change, something to look forward to to make you feel grounded and to give you the tools to manage everything going on. Personally, I started therapy in early 2023. I found it very beneficial. It's helped me learn positive coping skills to manage my day-to-day -day emotions, to understand why I feel the way I do. And it has been extremely positive for me. I found it beneficial working along with my therapist. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill in a brief questionnaire to get matched to a licensed therapist and you can switch therapist anytime at no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash rotoviz today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash rotoviz. One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending live events. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person, it is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats and that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy and theater 
theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have. Game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RotoViz for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sean, a player who had some issues mainly with the offensive side of things. You mentioned the passing quarterback now being in there for Jonathan Taylor. We don't have great quarterback situation for the New York Giants, and we aren't getting as much work in the passing game for Saquon Barkley. What are your feelings on what we are seeing, I guess, we can't really say exactly what we're seeing from the New York Giants offense, but quarterback situation is, is really bleak now. Obviously, we get Daniel Jones back gets a serious knee injury, is out now for the, the rest of the season. How is this setting up for Saquon Barkley as we we move forward here? Are we going basically in opposite directions with the, the kind of feel-good around Jonathan Taylor in terms of having him on rosters moving into this playoff stretch versus if you have a Saquon Barkley in your roster? Yeah, I think you can still be excited about Barkley in that, I mean, this game may have been the most dynamic that Barkley has been on a consistent basis. Now, part of that is that you come in against a Raiders defense that is very poor in the vast majority of the key rushing defensive metrics. Again, you have that really high boom percentage allowed. They allow a lot of yards per game, all of those types of things. And so you're expecting Barkley to look good, and yet he averages almost three and a half yards before contact. And you think about where and why he's good when he excels and Barkley looks shot out of a cannon in this game his ability to get to the edge his ability to create the big play if this is a game where the Giants aren't being completely and totally blown out I mean you could be looking at 150 I mean a 200 yard rushing game appeared to be potentially in the offing here he was that dynamic against again what is a very leaky rush defense he also gets 24 routes in this game but only three catchable targets for the 23 yards. It'll be interesting to see what they do there with DeVito as the QB. 
Barkley is only averaging one yards per route this season, and that ties him for 30th among backs with at least 15 targets. It's not the type of efficiency that you really want to witness. We know that he has it in him. I just, this is one of the reasons why I think that Brian Dable deserves quite a bit of criticism, even though so much of what has happened to them this year has been bad luck, has been injuries. They haven't had the answers. And I think if you're going to go and sign Barkley to that franchise tag, you're going to keep him from being able to go elsewhere. You're going to lock up a decent part of your flexibility during that time of the season when you could have used that to maybe leverage things with Daniel Jones, all of those types of things. I mean, Barkley has to not only be used, he's got to be used as an offensive weapon in the way he was very early in his career. It's just hard for me to understand how a team that's this lacking in receiving options and this weak at the quarterback position is not getting Barkley in space. And it goes back to this idea of the offensive design matters. And it's not just something where you can say, okay, we're going to use our running back as a receiver. Okay, we're going to get our guy in space. How do you do that? And the contrast too, I think, is interesting when you look at Andy Reid and how dynamic he was how creative he was and how innovative he was during that time with the Eagles, where he received a lot of criticism for, oh, you're passing too much, you're passing too much. But a lot of what that passing actually came down to was passing the backs. You're going to get Brian Westbrook and LaShawn McCoy, the ball where they don't have to run through, again, the offensive line, that element that we've continued to hammer on with a Travis Etienne. And yet, the current version of the Chiefs offense seems to have absolutely no idea what they want to do really overall. There's no identity for this team, but when it comes to their running backs, they don't appear to have much of a sense. And this was a strange game here because we get the Chiefs with such a big lead. So you have the game script in the favor of using the backs. And yet Isaiah Pacheco posted his lowest total expected points of the entire season in this game and we've been skeptical we don't have pacheco exposure and so you're kind of rooting against him being good which especially as a chiefs fan is a little bit of a, a tightrope to walk there not exactly what you're really wanting to do but he played well over the first five six weeks of the season and yet the last three weeks He's averaging just one and a half yards before contact, just 2.2 after. Obviously, that adds up to less than four on a per carry basis. His evasion rate is down to 5%. He has zero forced missed tackles. And, you know, anytime you're looking at a sample like that and saying, okay, well, this is the rushing schedule, some of it depends on just how bad individual opponents were, like Denver Broncos, the way that we calculate the rushing matchups for the fantasy streamer or they're going to calculate the Broncos as being, you know, catastrophically bad, but the chiefs rushing offense had a very positive strength of schedule over this exact same stretch where Pacheco has failed. And it's hard to really see where the chiefs can go at this point at the running back position. This is a game where LaMichael Pirine plays four snaps. They obviously don't want to do much more with Jeremy McKinnon than they are currently doing. And so this becomes now a difficult choice for fantasy managers who are staring at Pacheco and maybe have some other options. 
Colin, we have the choice between Ramondre Stevenson and Javante Williams this week. That one is a little bit tricky and projects to be tricky as we go forward. But you can still look at that and say, Stevenson, there's the track record there. Javante Williams, there's the track record there. And as he emerges coming back, we can see a really high-end back for the future. Maybe Pacheco is going to come out of this cold stretch and be fine. The Kansas City Chiefs offense, even this version of it, which is so much less than it's ever been, still above average, still likely to give you these goal line opportunities. And yet Pacheco is really only playable at this point. If you have no other options, he's not somebody who feels like a clear starting player and certainly not someone who is going to give you league winning outcomes. I can understand where people would say, you know, look, you're getting the opportunity here, even if it's been weaker in the last couple of weeks. I mean, this is back-to-back games where he doesn't hit double digits in EP. And yet when you have that role in the Chiefs offense, it's mostly a matter of bouncing back. And yet in so many of these cases, we've looked at the backs and the inability to be a difference maker at the NFL level is an intrinsic trait of theirs. It's not something that's going to suddenly change. Alexander Madison is not suddenly going to be a starting back. Colin, this was yet another week where his rushing fantasy points over expectation was more or less catastrophic. You look at his numbers for the season. Number one, Madison has been negative every single week, but he's also had five different weeks where he's been at negative four or worse. It's really difficult to underperform your production that consistently But the guys that do it do tend to be these same names where you're going to get the underperformance from guys like Joe Mixon. And I think the contrast here that's interesting, certainly what you're hoping for if you've got Madison or if you've got Pacheco and you're in interesting offenses and you do appear to have the role to yourself, you're hoping to do what Rashad White has done. Column, the turnaround there over the last three weeks, I would say has been nothing short of stunning. You really stole my transition there, Sean. I had multiple things worked out. It was going to be somebody who went through a cold streak, who's now going through a hot streak. And then I was also going to say that you mentioned two games under four, uh, minus four, sorry, in terms of the efficiency. That's the way Rashad White started out this season. Two of his first three games under 4.3, a minus 4.4 and a minus 4.3. But he has really turned it around over the last couple of weeks in terms of in that span he is now number one in routes 85 number two in yards 181 and number four in tackles evaded which is five in that spell it does feel like he's into that top 10 mix for the rest of the season based on how much of a stranglehold he kind of has on this backfield and how he has turned things around but the advantage again we looked at the taylor side of things is how he's getting starting to get used in that the passing game getting those targets and you know baker mayfield has locked white's way a lot but he's also been out on those routes obviously a huge amount most in the nfl at the running back position my question sean with you with rashad white is we kind of liked him what his opportunity might have been last year behind leonard fournette and it never really materialized to the way that we had a hope but coming into this season the efficiency just really wasn't there in those first six weeks and then over the last three weeks it's really picked up particularly against buffalo and houston in week eight and nine we were talking there about Pacheco and some of these other running backs. Is it a case that White may now be showing his true colors, or are we reluctant to say that with him possibly falling back to what we've seen at the start of the season? Well, one of the tricky things here is that 
he's still not really doing anything from a yards per carry perspective. And I know a lot of people don't like that stat. And yet it does give you a window into the number of big plays that a back is creating and the likely you know, number of touches that you need to be a true difference maker. You look at White and you look at what he did as a rookie and what he did in his final year in college. And one of the things that you see is that despite having athleticism and despite having size, his ability as a pure runner to generate broken tackles or forced missed tackles, really any ability to evade tackles from the opponent just wasn't there at all. And when you're talking about a guy who is already an older player for what his experience trajectory is, then we're not necessarily expecting him to break out and suddenly turn over a new leaf where he's able to beat guys. If you were a running back who gets tackled by the first defender most of the time and you're not behind some elite offensive line that is just blowing people off the ball and allowing you to do the, some of the things with your athleticism, maybe a DeAndre Swift or a, a Miles Sanders, guys who have been in some good situations where maybe you don't have to beat a lot of guys. What you have to do is have the athleticism to run through the hole and create a big play. That hasn't really been the case in Tampa Bay. And if you don't then have that ability, that star level you know, traits as a runner, then all you can really be is just a guy, except if you then emerge as a receiver. And so if you are a, a sizable back, and Rashad White isn't some big back, but he's not a little guy, right? So if you are a medium-sized back with plus athleticism who can catch the ball and is intuitive in that role, then suddenly you have what you need from a fantasy perspective. You're getting the ball sometimes in space. You make some guys miss. Maybe you score some receiving touchdowns. In the overall context of this offense as well, I think is evolving in a positive direction. Now, not every week is going to be some crazy shootout with the Houston Texans. But Baker Mayfield looks better than he's looked in the recent past. You have multiple plus receiving options and even some young guys who bring that vertical element. So the Bucs are able to threaten the defense in a different way than the 2022 version, the Tom Brady version was able to. When you put all of that together, then White starts to be very interesting. And I do think that he's one of these guys who is going to be very much sort of a context driven back and you want to see positive matchups he's got a top 10 remaining strength of schedule he's only got two negative matchups remaining you think about you know not overvaluing schedule and not making all your decisions in that light but all you have to do is look back to this weekend's Seahawks Ravens game to understand that if you were ignoring schedule or if you don't think it's going to matter at all I mean, that's certainly not the case, right? You don't want your team to go out there and get completely shut down either A, overall, or B, locked down from a running back perspective. The fact that White doesn't really face that problem is huge for him as he emerges in this middle third of 2023. The last running back, Sean, I want to talk about on today's show is Jalen Warren. And we have a situation in Pittsburgh where I think it was clear in the offseason which one of these guys we wanted to push his way to the four in this backfield between him and Najee Harris. There has been flashes throughout the season that it might start to lean that way. It is pretty much a split, but I, I do think at this point, Jalen Warren is making a real push to completely take over this backfield. And I, I think the Steelers 
if as an organization and if as a team want to make the best decision right now that is what they should do and that's not just because i want that for my fantasy football roster Sean. <laughs> that's because uh, in terms of how these two guys are playing i think it's pretty obvious watching them play who is the most explosive who is adding the most to this offense and there is weeks where looking at the box score and who gets in the end zone people may still be buying into some of the Najee harris stuff that we're seeing but hit me with the case for jalen warren just completely taking over this backfield or are you going to hit me with the case that i'm completely wrong well warren now ranks number one overall among all backs in the nfl in evasion rate and that part i'm actually somewhat surprised by because so much of the argument for warren really did rely on the fact that Najee harris is not a viable starter and it wasn't so much about warren's strengths although they were there a guy who can get there before contact that's one of the things that he did really well in the 2022 season is that when you watch these guys get off at the snap you watch a hole open and i mean harris simply couldn't get there right Warren averages 2.1 yards before contact last year. Harris down there at 1.3. It opens up a situation to where Warren ends up averaging a full yard per carry more. His evasion rate, 7% higher. I mean, you have a situation where Jalen Warren is at a 17% broken tackle rate last year. Najee Harris, I mean, there's nothing bad about being at 11% unless you don't have the long speed to do anything with that and the weird thing with nashi harris is he actually tests out as one of the best sort of size athleticism guys i'm gonna say prospects he's not a prospect anymore in the entire nfl and yet you can go back to his college numbers and the breakaway rushes weren't there because he can't translate that athleticism into actual yardage well you come back and you look at the 2023 season and the yards before contact numbers have dropped for both guys in part because Kenny Pickett has been so bad and you lose Deontay Johnson for a big chunk. And so there's just not dynamism in this entire offense. Defenses aren't threatened by the pass. They don't have to worry about it. They can focus on stopping these guys. Najee Harris now down below one in terms of yards before contact. The after contact numbers, very similar for the two guys this year. Harris again at 10% broken tackles. That's not a problem in and of itself, but Jalen Warren has just been so good and he's been so good as both a runner and as a receiver and to be able to do both of those things I think number one is kind of stunning when you think about his prospect profile coming out of Oklahoma State I mean there's a reason that he wasn't drafted but what he's doing now in both roles is just so impressive he gets Three targets on just the eight routes in this game, 25 receiving yards. Najee Harris drops one of his targets, only finishes with seven. I mean, Harris scores a touchdown in this game. He's been someone who is very back-end playable. I think that people who like Harris and don't like Ramondre Stevenson would certainly make a viable case that we shouldn't still be high on Ramondre if we're not going to give credit to Harris for the things that he has done that are arguably better. And yet because of Stevenson's background, the type of play we got last week where he scores the long touchdown 
we would expect him to emerge where we would expect Harris to continue to play more like he's been. In both cases, the offenses are bad enough that you actually need the running back to be a playmaker and to do some things for themselves as opposed to be a context-driven guy you know, like a Joe Mixon, for example, who's going to be the beneficiary of what the Bengals do otherwise. In this case, though, Jalen Warren has just simply been so flashy with these plays. And you think about what he did on a handful of the touches here and especially the individual plays that contributed them to winning this reality game. If Jalen Warren isn't there, I mean, they lose to the Titans. The Steelers have this weird dynamic in 2023 where they're not really good at anything and yet they keep winning. But Warren has been that little part of the team that is good, certainly on offense. They've got some individual playmakers on defense, obviously, as well. I'd like to see him get more opportunities. He's been better than I had thought. Harris has been about what we thought. If we could get the usage to jump to being like a 60-40 for Jalen Warren, I think you could see some big numbers in the final third of the season. Let's hope that that is the case, Sean, moving forward here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The final thing to jump into today, I think it's an interesting topic as we get closer to playoff season. Depending on what format you're in, if we're looking at the team we're going to talk about today is in the FFPC main event, but people will be in leagues where the playoffs may not be starting for maybe two to three weeks beyond this. There is three weeks left in the regular season in the main event, then you go into the playoffs, then you go into the race for the one million, but you may be in a league where there's another additional two to three weeks off regular season left to be in the mix but trying to set that team up so it has the right pieces to be able to try and push itself to the fantasy championship whether it's a case that you're in a large field tournament like the back end of the ffpc main event will be or if you're in your own 12 or 16 team league whether that's dynasty or redraft much harder to do this in a dynasty league without a waiver wire but you also can make trades in a league like that whereas in the main event not the ability, Sean, for us to make trades. But a couple of things to talk about is kind of the onesie positions that we're going to look at here today. So rather than the running back wide receivers, it's the tight ends and let's say kicker defense quarterback. So something that we did this week in the, the waiver run, we picked up the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. This is a week where the Kansas City defense are on by. And we also had the Kansas City defense. So we've kept the defense so far. The Chiefs, we've also added in the Jaguars defense. We're going to talk about that one in a moment. We also now have a roster, Sean, where we have four quarterbacks on it. It's a Jared Goff team, but it also had Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford was going to be out last week with Goff on the bye. So we added Will Levis. Levis, there is that upside. And we'll talk about that is the main reason for having him on the roster. And then Joshua Dobbs, we added this current week to it and just to add in on that we have spent the, the vast majority of our uh, budget it's a thousand dollar budget on the season but over the last two weeks the levis pickup we you know bid 343 and then this week with dobbs 226 so in total up there in the the 600 range almost for the two quarterbacks over the last two weeks but you're looking into trying to create a roster that can make the chase in the playoffs to give yourself the multiple options and then also, if it is something that moves on to an additional contest, have the upside there. At tight end, then, we also have Sam Laporte and Trey McBride as our two options. Trey McBride didn't hit what we wanted last week, Sean, but getting Kyler Murray back this week should really boost his prospects quite a bit moving forward. And then we did have two 
kickers, but we moved on Tyler Bass this current week, Matt Gay being the kicker. So that's another position where you could alternate on the schedule and, and try and pick the best matchup. Looking at those specific positions, Sean, because we spent so much off the budget on it, maybe we should talk about the quarterback position, the reason we potentially would move forward with four quarterbacks on a one-quarterback roster. And obviously one of the reasons for that is the question marks around Matthew Stafford. So there's three options that could come into play this week with the bye. But what would be, for listeners wondering, the reason that we would have spent so much to acquire Dobbs and Levis with having Goff on the roster and the bye having been passed, for example, what's some of your thoughts on the, the quarterback strategy and what listeners could take away from it? Well, the first move was the result of the combination of injury and buy. And so last week we were going to have to pick someone up to play. I don't know that picking up Levis was the move that really works out the best because you've got a difficult defensive matchup for that game. And if you don't have a star, really what you're looking to do are play some matchups, get your guys into these favorable game environments but in order to have Levis for the remainder of the season, that's the week you're going to have to pick him up. And so you also have overall roster congestion for that. You don't know that Dobbs is going to play in that game. He probably would have been the preference if you don't have a situation where he's going to be the backup he's not anticipated to start or to play. Obviously, an injury forces him into that move. But when you look at the QB environment, we have so much more information now than we had at the beginning of the season. I had a chance to do a very fun podcast with JJ Zachariasen earlier this year talking about this quarterback environment, dilemma, what have you, whether or not late round QB would still work. How do you want to make that play? Really focusing on redraft as opposed to super flex and best ball, which have their own dynamics there. But when you're looking at this, the case that I wanted to make for 2023 was that you needed to create a lot of optionality if you were going to go late because you don't know for sure who is going to hit and certainly you don't know who's going to get injured anthony richardson someone we weren't particularly high on especially for the long term because the long-term risk is that the guy misses completely in an individual season for a redraft team you have a lot less risk with that because you're going to be drafting another guy with him uh, where his ADP was. And if he hits from that ADP, he could hit in a big way. What happens is that he gets hurt, right? You also had that same thing happen with Daniel Jones, who would have appeared to be a good contingent type of play. Unfortunately for Daniel Jones, he also played poorly when he was healthy. So you have both of those things happen there. Geno Smith, another interesting guy, doesn't have that rushing element to his game, but is going to have the three-star receivers. Well, we spent a lot of the last couple of shows talking about what's happened with the receivers there. Geno Smith, not a viable option. However, we have a lot of teams with Jerry Goff and Sam Howell, both of whom are scoring at that just over 20 point per game range, which is a little bit of a soft threshold for thinking about whether a player has enough individual week upside as well to go out there. One of the things we've gotten from Howell are huge performances and then some very poor performances. That can make it tough for the individual fantasy manager because there is some likelihood that you had him in for a bad performance and that you had him benched for a big performance. That part always very frustrating. But 
as you're allowing the season to evolve, you get more information and you can play it more efficiently down the stretch where the highest leverage games are for you. But now that we're looking at the scoring numbers for 2023, we can see what type of approach is going to let you potentially win the whole thing. And we have a situation where Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts both over 26 points per game in that 26 to 27 point range. That's definitely difference making. And it is something to where if you have those guys, you're probably happy that you do. And yet it's not a 29 to 30 point per game range where they're just destroying everybody else. And you almost had to have them. We're not getting that type of scoring from Lamar Jackson. We're not getting that type of scoring from Patrick Mahomes, two guys who have given you that. And so if you have those players, as opposed to having a Sam Howell or a Jerry Goff, then you're probably not losing per se, but you're going to have to have done a lot of other good things with your roster to make that work. Same thing is true there for a Justin Herbert, the guy who was actually scoring pretty well, Kirk Cousins, but no longer available because he goes out for injury. So you have to have a lot of contingencies in place in order to deal with the potential injuries that you're going to work through. CJ Stroud, the other really interesting player who is now third in per game scoring, he's a guy that you would have drafted really late. So our preference, and I do think the thing that is the best approach for this year, still not having seen how things are going to develop in the key games, because the key games are still to happen, but are to have a mix of those later QBs. The person who was kind of in that Jackson Mahomes Herbert mix until last week where he's shut down with the Chiefs was to Otago Valoa, somebody we have really high exposure to. Now he goes on to the bye this week. Justin Fields, someone who also is in that mix and you know will have missed this game this week as well. So what you're looking to do with a Will Levis and what you're looking to do by adding a Joshua Dobbs and Dobbs with sort of the superhero performance coming off the bench in week nine, another guy now who is above 20 points per game, we're looking at Matthew Stafford and there are questions about health and there are questions about upsides. So you're kind of going away from him as your two-player mix with Jared Goff. For me as well, Colm, even though Goff's scoring is probably in a range that you would anticipate. I do have some real concerns about individual weak landmines where perhaps he goes out there and the Detroit Lions are so dominant running the football in the green zone that he loses all of those touchdown opportunities. So now our option is to stick with you know one or two guys and say whatever they do will get us there or to add a third player in Dobbs and have two different ways that this can play out. One is just a pure matchup play where each week we just play the guy with the best matchup. Now, partly that's what you're going to do anyway, but with Dobbs, one of the key points there is that in week 16 and week 17, when you're playing for the million dollars or in your individual home league, you're playing for the semis and the championship, you have dome games that could be shootouts. So that part of it is absolutely perfect. But the other thing that we're playing here is the uncertainty at the end of the season where there's still at least some possibility that either Levis or Dobbs becomes a guy where over the last month that maybe they can't average 25 points a game. I mean, again, the two stars are averaging 26, right? But you have the chance for individual games that are in that 30 to 35 point range, which could win you the week or if you're in a race for a million, could push you toward the top of that leaderboard. So partly what we're buying here is just the chance to see 
two or three more weeks and to be able to make the decisions then at the end, especially because Jared Goff is still in the mix for us too. So if you get a Jamison Williams breakout, which doesn't seem super likely at this point, but I mean, this is a guy who basically has still very rarely played at the NFL level, right? If this guy were, you know, in the same basic spot that like a JSN is in, you're thinking, I mean, maybe that guy can break out. Maybe the Detroit Lions with Amon Ra, with Williams, with Sam Laporta, they go on a run here. You know, Jamar Gibbs as a plus receiving back. Maybe they take another step. When you have three guys, you get to see three different things. You have three different ways that it could work. Whereas when you are limiting yourself to the one quarterback and saying, this is our guy, then you have the injury risk and that one specific scenario really has to play. I want to create the flexibility here. And especially that's the case when you do have some roster flexibility. And so this is a team where we have three starting caliber running backs and two starting caliber tight ends, which means that we don't have to worry as much about contingent plays at running back. A lot of times, if you're going to do a zero RB build here and you have your roster evolved to where you have an RB one, and then maybe several guys competing for the RB two, but then also you have three or four really high quality backups to where they could hit and be what you need at the end. Then you're going to be a little bit more limited in terms of what you're doing on these other roster spots. The fact that the rest of our roster is in such good shape to the point where we have two, what I would probably say are top six or seven defenses as well in Jacksonville and KC, which we can also, again, play matchups with down the stretch. You know that there's going to be a lot of randomness in that defensive scoring, but we can also tend to sort of understate the randomness there is in the scoring overall, right? You want to give yourself as many situations where you have exposure to potential big plays that will win with you. That's true with big play running backs. It's true with big play defenses. It's true with defenses that are going to lead and you're going to have to be forced to make plays to come back on them. All of that type of high scoring exposure is what you're looking to do with these rosters as we go down the stretch. Column, I love this team because it has a variety of ways to win, but I also really like it because where it is now still understates where it's going to be a month from now. It also excites me because I know that a lot of listeners have put together similar types of rosters for 2023. If you're in that top four position right now, you're fighting for the buy, or you're in a situation where you're going to be in the fantasy semifinals, that's really where you want to be at this point in the season where you've done the work, you're in the mix, and your team is going to be better right when you need it the most. Yeah, and you mentioned there, you know, the defensive side with Jacksonville this week. They have a tough matchup against the San Francisco 49ers, who maybe are in a little bit of a slump, but that could change at any particular moment in time but looking at some of the contests over the next couple of weeks where you know the Chiefs may have a tough matchup on paper versus what the the Jaguars are going to have you can filter them and bounce them off each other but you mentioned the defensive side of things in terms of you know their their total rank on the season currently the the Jaguars the 11th ranked in terms of points scored from a fantasy perspective the Kansas City Chiefs sixth on the season but when we look through this roster even Dobbs who you know has flashed at times has had some great games it's has had some games where maybe he disappointed but he's 10th on the season at the quarterback position so even with goff in the mix who is at 13th and then obviously levis has only played the, the two games at 37th but looking again then with the number three ranked running back who's just after going through his bye week and travis Etienne, cd lamb fifth wide receiver amon ra who's missed 
one game through injury this season number 10 at the wide receiver position samuel porter the fourth ranked tight end matt gay the sixth ranked kicker so there's a lot of of these players who have already had good seasons but the the upside of how they are playing and progressing throughout the year looks to continue to uh, evolve and and increase in the other part sean in this roster you mentioned the, the three running backs etn stevenson javante williams who are all positive about that allows us then that flexibility that you mentioned to have those additional quarterbacks but it likely is going to be a situation where next week matt gay's on his bye we're probably going to hold him as i mentioned with him being the sixth rank kicker so you're probably putting maybe matthew stafford or we'll see how levis gets on this week out to take in that additional kicker and maybe then you're left with a an option weekly at that position but it gives you that positional flexibility whereas if it was a case that we were moving that second running back spot around it'd be very hard to be doing that with just three running backs on the roster but with the wide receivers and lamb and brown brant nayuk is also in there but then we have that you know rookie upside that we're hoping that we've talked about on recent shows heading the likes of rishi rice jsn marvin mims who we would love to see get factor in a bit more say flowers as well and not a rookie but a second year player and, and wendell robinson so lots of upside built into the bench on this roster so as you mentioned sean over the next you know three four weeks hopefully it continues to click and get the points that we need at that point but it feels like this team is going to continue to get stronger and we didn't even mention them sean when we were talking about the tight ends but the second tight end option is trey mcbride who although he's only had a few scoring weeks this season uh week eight was so big that he is the 19th ranked tight end in terms of points this season but yeah let's see how it goes over the next couple of weeks but just some thoughts for people out there trying to build a roster maybe you're thinking about players to cut this week and how that would look projecting moving forward but try and build in that strength and flexibility into your roster as we head towards the fantasy football championships it is nfl week 10 hopefully your team gets a win this week we'll obviously back on monday to recap what has happened to that point off this week and then we'll have our tuesday show as well my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host as always is sean siegel check out sean's work up on rotaviz.com good luck this week and until we are back have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotaviz radio please rate and review the rotaviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotaviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotaviz with a discount through the rotaviz radio homepage rotaviz.com forward slash podcast it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust the mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com